Welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. Our goal is to help educate people on all aspects of archery while at the same time learn some new information from some of our outstanding guests. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Arrow Outdoors podcast. This will be episode number seven. Uh, my name is Steve, and with me is Joe. Hello, Joe. Good morning, Steve. How are you? We're doing good. I'm ready for uh, this exciting episode here. We have a special guest with us. So we're going to bring in Sherry. Sherry is a high school NASP coach. And we're going we're to talk about this whole episode is going to be about NASP and coaching kids and teaching kids how to shoot bows and things of that nature. So, Sherry, welcome aboard. Thanks, guys. How are you today? Well, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'll just leave it at that. Too early for you? A little bit. Okay. Sherry's not an early morning person, but Sherry's also the person I've seen working with students late at night when she needs to be also. So. So Sherry, let's, let's jump into, let's talk about your background for starters. How did, you know, what, where were you at in the archery world and how did, then we'll get into the the coaching part of it, but let's just get your background for starters. Okay, sure. Uh, I actually started shooting when I was about 18 years old. Quite honestly, for me, if I'm going to be very real here, uh, I was in a bad place in my life and archery became my therapy. It's where I could take my bow, go out in the yard, lose myself in what I was doing. And it became an absolute passion for me at that time. I started competing outdoor 3D, uh, mostly IBO circuit, started shooting the Triple Crown, going to the World Championships, things like that. It came very easy to me. At the time, I was shooting in the Lady Bowhunter Fingers class, which they don't even have anymore. And uh, that's how it all started. So after you did your shooting, how did the coaching a NASP team at high school come about? I was hornswoggled into that as well. <laughs> hey, we're going to be open, on, open and honest hey, right here. How we? Hey, open and honest. Facts are facts, right? Get. That's what you're going to get. So six years ago, our local high school put out a survey to our students asking if we could bring two more sports into the school, what would you pick? And archery and golf won that survey. Archery won by a landslide. And I was really excited for that because I think it's a wonderful opportunity to put bows in, in the hands of our youth today and get them out doing different things. So that was in March of that particular year. By October of that year, the first week of October, there had not yet been an archery coach hired and they were ready to start the season, had no idea what to do. And coincidentally, I also work in the, the press box for our football games here at Jefferson and lifelong friend of mine, Mr. Jeff Whitener from Blue Tiger Media is the announcer for our district. He's the voice of the Blue Jays. And I have known Jeff for about three and a half decades because he and I used to teach hunter education together for the Missouri Department of Conservation. And coincidentally, during a football game, our athletic director and superintendent were standing behind us having a discussion. Uh, our superintendent was passionate bow hunter. And he's like, 
did you find an archery coach yet? And the athletic director's like, no, man, I really haven't. He's like, well, what are we going to do? This program needs to be kicking off. It's NASP season started right now. We don't have any direction or where to go. And my good buddy, Jeff Whitener, sold me out hard because he turned around to them and said, really? You've got one of the best archers in the state sitting right next to me. So Monday morning, I was summoned to the athletic director's office and I agreed to take on the program to get it started. I was like, I'll give you a couple months. We'll get the program started. The athletic director said, well, we're just, we're just going to kind of do it as a fun thing for the kids. We're not going to compete or anything like that. To which I started to get up and walk out of the office. It's like, what, what do you mean you're not going to compete? Why would, no, I'm not going to do that. So he's like, oh, wait, whoa, no, wait, wait, wait. We don't have anybody else. Come back. We'll do it your way. And here we are five years later and I'm still there. That's awesome. the long and short of how that program started. So your two months of going to help out has turned into your fifth year of doing the, the program. That is correct. We're on your number five. <laughs> what does the, uh, so what is your participation arc look like over that five years? Like what, for year one, what was your head count? And now what have you got for kids? Okay. So year one, we had 26 kids show up. <laughs> And I kept them all around for two months, shooting and having a good time. And then I took 15 out of that and started competing with them. Uh, after that, it's grown since. Now my numbers push usually around 100 when it comes time for tryouts. And then we keep, you know, it just depends. I, I have to keep safety in mind, of course, and how many people I can put on the range at a time and how much horseplay you may have going on behind it. So this year I have 63 kids actually physically in the program competing day after day. Um, and that spans from grade seven through 12. This is the first year I actually have a hired assistant coach. So that's brand new for me to have that kind of help, which has been absolutely incredible. And so, so is that, is that new assistant coach, the, the only other person that you have helping with the program and i just think of um you know uh, years ago before my daughter went off to college she and i used to teach an intermediate archery class here for our local parks and rec it wasn't a nas program this was with compounds but i know that having a second set of eye and we we only had class group sizes of 20 to 25 kids right but to your point, the horse play and, you know, kids are kids, right? They have the attention, span, right. their, their attention spans are short. And just having a second set of eyes on the shooting line for safety reasons alone was a godsend. Like I, I wouldn't even attempt to do it without a second person because, you know, you constantly have kids coming up to you, asking you this and wanting to watch, wanting you to watch them shoot and all these distractions that are constantly happening around you. So do you have, are you able to... Um, like recruit parents or or have some other support while you're trying to herd the cats? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I have one other parent this year that is helping uh, with my varsity level practices and uh, junior high practices uh, for my teams. And we did have him uh, BAI certified and everything through NASP. So 
Uh, I had to have him qualified as a coach for the district. He had to go through the federal background check and everything just to, to be present with the kids there. So it's not as easy as just recruiting a parent to kind of step up and help. Like there's mm-hmm. the whole process has to go with it. Right. So I have stayed away from that until now. The first four years I had a parent, his name was Scott Martin. I had his daughter in the program. He was fantastic. He didn't get up on the line with the kids per se, but he was more my, hey, this knock needs to be fixed. Hey, can you check this equipment? Hey, her poundage needs to be turned up, things like that. Uh, Scott was a man of absolutely no words. So he didn't, <laughs> uh, he didn't step up with the kids in that regard, but he was my right hand and I don't have him this year. So he has really been greatly missed. But yeah, extra eyes on the line always do help. I did it by myself for so long that I'm not used to that. So I have to be careful not to uh, not to try to take over all the time, I guess, mm-hmm. and let my coach have his way as well. So then, when when you run when you run your practices, with do you run it with all sixty kids at one time, or do you break it into no. separate se- So so what what are your average, uh, I guess, session sizes? So we break it up to where every team has a good solid hour and a half of practice. This year, we've kind of scaled it back a little bit. They're there two to three times a week per team. Last year, my varsity team practiced every single day, hour and a half to two hours a day. And I learned that that was a little bit too much together time for them. (laughs) So we we learned from that mistake and we didn't do that this year. But I make sure the kids get anywhere from three to five hours solid practice a week. And do the kids have access to their to the equipment uh, outside of the scheduled practice times? Um, actually, most of my kids have their own equipment. That so, stuff. okay, yeah, you know, usually as soon as a kid gets in the program and they kind of get bit by that bug, and mom and dad see them excelling and doing something that doesn't require a video game controller, they're pretty uh, pretty willing in this area to jump in there and make that two hundred dollar investment to have their equipment at home as well. I have a few kids that still shoot school equipment, and uh, they are not allowed to take it off property now. How many, how many bows does the school actually own where you're at? Um, we've still got several boxed right now that have not been taken out. We actually got rid of a little bit of equipment at the beginning of this year and replenished. I've probably got four dozen right now. School-owned oh, wow. bows, yeah. So um, backing up, backing up a little bit, um, and just kind of thinking about, you know, from a listener's perspective, if there's, if there's somebody out there that, you know, is thinking about starting a program or wants to, you know, bring archery into their community. And, and this is a path that feels attractive to them. Um, maybe talk a little bit about the process. You know, if there's somebody out there that wants to do something like this, but has no idea where to even begin, what would your, what would your recommendations be? Well, and that will be different state by state. Now I can speak definitively on the process in the state of Missouri, because in Missouri, our NAS program is backed by the Missouri Department of Conservation. And because of that, they have some wonderful grants available that help provide all that startup equipment that you need, that startup kit, which, um, if I remember correctly, it's 10 or 12 bows, your safety arrow, your quiver, or safety net, your quivers, a few dozen arrows to get started, some targets, things like that. In other states, you know, again, you would have to research. Just just go to 
your NASP website and then go state specific. I know some are backed by Parks and Recreations Department and some are backed by um, Department of Natural Resources. So every state's gonna be just a little bit different there. In Missouri, again, there's a conservation grant that helps you get started. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan and gotta give a shout out to the Friends of the NRA and the NRA grant program because that has funded my program since day one. They are phenomenal to the programs here in Missouri, big supporters. Um, I have been granted between my NAS program and my student air rifle program, probably $40,000 worth of help in the past four years from the NRA grants. So anybody that's going to start a program, make sure you get in on that no matter what, because it's just a blessing to have that kind of support come through. You won't be sorry. And so, so once with those grant monies, um, is that, uh, is that for more equipment or administrative costs or travel costs or, you know, where, uh, where does that? It's all equipment based. It's yep. all equipment based. So, you know, the Missouri Department of Conservation grant that you get for startup is all the supplied and equipment. So you buy the equipment and then as soon as they see the receipt, they cut you the check back for up to $1,500 a year startup. As far as the NRA grant process, you know, whenever you go in and apply for your grant, you make kind of a wish list. So they have a book basically online of things that you can apply for. And then if there are other items that they don't have access to, you can write out a separate list through the NASP website asking for 3D targets and stands and things like that. And if they grant you those, they end up sending a check to the school and then that money is allocated specifically for those items. After you purchase them, you turn in your receipts and proof of payment and then you're square with them to be able to file your grant for the following season. But it is a blessing. Like I, I can't even begin to cover the amount of things that they have provided. I will tell you this as of to date, our actual district administration wise, as far as equipment has spent less than $2,000 in five years to keep this program going because of the help from the NRA grants. That's awesome. It's huge. So on your equipment, all the students, regardless of their age and or their size, everybody shoots the exact same bow and the exact same arrows, correct? That is correct. It's all the Matthews Genesis. Uh, it, whenever I first got this bow, I'll be honest with you, whenever I took the job or was voluntold that I was going to do this job, first thing I told the athletic director is, you've got to get me one of these bows. I've never seen one. I've never shot one. You know, I can't go into a room full of kids not prepared. So they ordered one. I got it like two days later, delivered it to my house, got it out, took the block target out in the front yard, took it out of the box and thought, oh my gosh, they've sent me a toy. I don't even know what to do with this thing. This is like a, a gun at a carnival. What? And uh, started shooting it. And within about five arrows, I was absolutely hooked on it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest little gadget I've ever seen. You know, it does fit every size. And I can attest that regardless of what you think, it does fit every size. I had a gentleman on my team that graduated a couple of years ago. We just called him Kyle, just Kyle. He was six foot eight shot this thing phenomenally you know all 20 pounds of it but uh yeah regardless you can have a, a fourth grader next to a six foot eight senior they're shooting the exact same equipment 
same bow, same arrows, same everything. I remember the very first time I walked into your gym and saw your team. That was that was what I saw. Yeah. A six foot eight person standing next to a four foot seven person. Yes. Literally standing side by side. I'm like, they're shooting the same equipment. This is crazy. Yes, I it was. It was crazy to me too. And and it, they're actually a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun to shoot. So when you guys are in tournaments, uh, I mean, practice obviously is different, but when you're in tournaments, it seems like it's a nonstop job of keeping the kids equipped with arrows. Oh my God. Uh, seems like, seems like knocks get broken a lot. So, so let's, let's talk about the competition side of it there. So when they're in a competition, you have a couple of different kids shooting at the exact same target and everybody's trying to hit the exact same bullseye or on a 3d target or everybody's aiming at the exact same spot. So how many arrows do they shoot? How many ends do they shoot? And okay, then, so, then that will sure. help explain why so many arrows get busted up. Sure. If you've never seen an ASP tournament range, you divide the lane into five foot lanes, and then you divide those lanes in half. So every shooter has 30 inches of space that they're allowed to occupy. There are, there's one target for every five foot lane on bullseye one target for every five foot lane on 3d as well <coughs> excuse me goodness and so you'll have two people shooting on the same target if you're shooting a bullseye tournament you will hit you'll shoot a total of 40 arrows so you shoot uh 10 meter range first you'll shoot five practice arrows at 10 meters with your partner then you will shoot three ends of five arrows at 10 then you'll walk it back to 15 meters to do the same thing all over again. If you're on a 3D tar uh, target range, you only shoot five practice arrows at your first target. Then you'll shoot five competition arrows at that target. Then you rotate to your right and shoot the next target. So the 3D targets range anywhere from a 10 meter to a 15 meter shot and they stair step back all six in between. So essentially you'll have a shot at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 and 15 meters. With bullseye, you only have 10 or 15. So yeah, these kids get pretty good at it. And before you know it, they're stacking arrows on top of arrows. And during a competition, you do see a lot of knocks broken. Uh, you might see some fletchings tore up or, or even come off, depending on how tight those groups get. So it is definitely a constant process, keeping up with your kids when they're on the shooting line. With NASP, you're restricted. Whenever I sign up for a tournament, let's say there's 24 spots. I'm restricted to only being able to take 12 of those spots. And the reason for that is you should be shooting that same lane. You should never have two archers from the same school in the same lane. And that's just for an integrity check, you know, with scoring and things like that. So it's, uh, it gets pretty intense. Sometimes you'll have a tournament. You might have 24 kids on the line. You know, you get to a big state or national tournament. You might have a couple hundred on the line at a time. So in an average, let's just call it a season, how many arrows do you think you have to refletch and or replace knocks on? Oh my gosh. <laughs> For my program, we're anywhere from five to 10 dozen at least that have to be repaired or taken out of circulation. Yeah, I go through about 30 dozen arrows a season typically. Do the math wow. on that, it's a lot, it's a lot. Wow. Thank you to the NRA because it's a lot. <laughs> So let's go back to the very beginning. Season starts up, you have kids come to a tryout. Let's go through the process of what you do uh, with your with your staff. 
how do you take let's let's just let's just start with the very beginner not not your repeat customers that are coming back but the the new kids okay how how do you go about teaching that many kids at the same time what the process is for safely shooting a bow and how to get good at it well the greatest thing for me is at the high school level we have a lot of longevity there so i have a lot of returners i don't usually i don't lose many um the junior high level which i didn't start on year one we started a junior high team year two which pushed every limit i had because junior high kids they smell bad and you know they're just they're junior high kids so i, I know but it's true it's true they think of at Canavax as a shower and stuff like that. So that's always a good time. So I gather them all up. The great thing about that age, though, is they get so excited with every tiny little victory that they have. Every tiny little victory is huge for them. So we gather them all up. I try to keep them just a little bit afraid of me. Honestly, they think I'm just a little bit unhinged because, you know, I'm used to being by myself. And at any given time, if they all band together, they can take me out in a heartbeat. And I know that and I respect that. So uh, the first thing we do is gather them all up. Uh, I make them pass a written test about the parts of a bow before they can continue on. I usually distribute that information at a parent meeting ahead of time so they can study. Uh, they have to identify the parts of a bow without a word bank. We don't need that. My biggest pet peeve during a season is for a kid to come up to me and say, Hey coach, this, um, this thingy over here that's connected to this gadget over here is broken. So we don't do that. We're going to learn the proper terminology so we can speak intelligently of our bows. And then they have to be able to recite from memory with no word bank or help the 11 steps for archery success that is put out by NASP. So when they very first come into my tryouts, they're given a written test and then that's graded. If they miss more than two, they have one chance to retake it. They fail then, then that's, they don't go any further. Then they do, uh, they recite their 11 steps. Once they do that, then we kind of circle around. We demonstrate the 11 steps so they can start putting visual with what they've learned. Then we start with string bows, which is literally a piece of paracord made into a fake bow. We get all those set. Uh, that lasts for a day or two. And then finally, if we progress past that, showing them their anchor point, their stance, and they can demonstrate all of that, then they actually get to touch an actual bow. And that's when the real fun begins. Because, you know, that's when the arrows fall off the rest and they don't know what to do and they get excited, you know, when they shoot and it actually hits this 80 centimeter square piece of target. And, you know, that's, that's where we start. So it's a process. Sometime in between that week, I also check all their grades because I have a really, really high grade criteria and they can't have any missing assignments and all that kind of fun stuff or they're not allowed to continue. So I, I've witnessed go. that with, with you also that you are a coach that tells them you're going to follow up on their class attendance, grades, all those kind of things, which I think every coach says that. Oh, but, but I the do look it every of shock Friday. on their face when they find out that you actually do that. Yes, it's is pretty amazing. Yeah, I do it every Friday. Uh, all the kids know they have the opportunity to come to me ahead of time and let me know if they have a grade below a C or if I'm going to find any missing assignments. 
if I'm going to find missing assignments, then they're going to come in to practice, but they're not going to practice. They're going to sit and do their homework until they're caught up in current. Uh, we offer tutoring for them that I personally oversee to make sure they stay on track. And uh, I do check it every Friday and they know if I'm going to find something, they really need to be the one to tell me first. Because if I find it and they didn't own it, then we have a whole different scenario and they'll either be removed from the program or they will be benched indefinitely. So, so it's very obvious in this scenario that archery is helping kids be better students also. Oh my gosh, absolutely. We have kids graduating high school that probably would have never made it out. My junior high teachers, oh my gosh, they just love it when archery season starts because all of a sudden all the missing assignments are caught up in current and the kids are acting different in class and it's uh, it's priceless because those those junior high kids, you know, they think, oh my gosh, I didn't turn in my math homework for today. She's going to find out. I mean, I really don't check till Friday, but, you know, keep telling me, keep getting your homework done. That's, that's doing good things. So along with all of, of uh, teaching that many kids to shoot, um, how many tournaments do you normally travel to in a year, would you say? We've cut it back this year a little bit. I think my varsity kids were participating in 12 or 13 in their regular season. I think JV was maybe nine or 10, and then my junior high was about seven. And your team has also had some great success. We've done so okay. Talk, talk, yeah. talk about how you guys have done, because I mean, I've seen, I've gone to a lot of your tournaments. I've seen how dominant some of your kids can be, and overall as a collective team, how great they all work together and we have score done, well. We have done well for, I mean, we're, we're in our fifth year. To me, in comparison to a lot of the NASP teams, we're still in our infancy. You know, I mean, there's programs out there 20, 22 years strong right here in our back door. So uh, we've done well. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of wins under our belt. Now, in Missouri, MONASP does a tier system of how you qualify to move on to state or whatever. And um, I make all of our kids qualify tier one, which is the top tier. So if we're going to go on to the state level, we have to proficiently be shooting a 285 out of 300 or higher in a competition setting in a state qualifier. Last year, I took a team of 15 high schoolers to the state level and we took four junior high kids to the state level because they were shooting those type of scores. Uh, we went on from the state level where we shot tier one and went on to the national level, which led us to a high school trip to Sandy, Utah. A couple years ago, uh, I think it was year two, right after COVID, because COVID year is actually the year we started. Uh, we had a group of eight kids that actually went on to the Open Championships, they call it now, which was the world level at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So, yeah, we've we've seen some success. We've got some great kids. Um, for me, the greatest success doesn't come from those numbers. The greatest success comes from those kids that did proudly walk across that graduation stage that maybe you wouldn't have before. Uh, I have currently have four archers shooting at the collegiate level, which Steve, you should be pretty familiar with. I have number five, getting ready, number five, getting ready to go next year. I was fortunate to uh, fly out to Vegas for the Vegas shoot where I got to watch, you know, one of those, one of those collegiate archers take second on the podium for Barebow, and who started out to be one of mine. So once they're mine, they're always mine. I'll share them with you, but that's as good as it gets. Yeah, so I do have um, so, yeah. four kids on my on my college team that came from Sherry's high school program. 
and so that's really cool so like i said sherry and i have a have a connection we go way back uh several years of all because of archery but yeah, yeah so actually the very the very first kid that we signed at lindenwood when we were going to start an archery team came from sherry um so colby when he joined us you know he, he came from your program and we still call him number one because he was the first kid he actually signed to be with lindenwood archery team before we had a team i couldn't sell the program to him i couldn't say this is where we go this is what we do this is the success we've had it was like well, we're going to start a team. I need to get some kids that want to shoot a bow at the collegiate level. And Sherry was very instrumental in that conversation. And, and uh, so now we've got designed her, her fifth kid that's, that's coming to us next year. So, but this yeah. is a lot about the way she handles her high school program of why we would even consider them for the collegiate level. And then something else that I don't have to deal with at the collegiate level that you have to deal with at the high school level, parents. How do you deal with that? Oh boy, that's fun. <laughs> that's that's fun. That's a fun question. For the most part, I have really great parents. I do. They want to be a little bit too helpful. Uh, I always have to gather my first year parents up, and we have a very fun, interesting conversation right out of the gate, and that involves range etiquette at a competition because a lot of times with archery, especially with NASPIR in very close quarters, when those kids are behind the weight line, they may be three or four feet away from mommy and daddy. So we have to have the discussion that if, uh, if this was a football game, the range is my field and you would not dream of going down onto the sideline and talking to your child and saying, oh, but honey, if you would have did this or you would have did that. So I have the no wiping noses, no patting butts rule. So, your child is old enough to be shooting a weapon. They're old enough to be competing with a team. They're seventh grade or higher. One, they must advocate for themselves if they need something. Uh, if they need to communicate with the coach, it has to come from them. It can't come from mommy or daddy. But my biggest rule is during competition, do not try to communicate with my archer. Because I know for a fact, proven with my own children, the quickest way for a kid to lose their focus on that line is to make eye contact with mama. So uh, that's, that's my biggest thing with parents. I have in the past, yeah, I have actually escorted parents out of my facility and asked them not to come back. I have moved them to a different place on the range so they could not communicate with their child. For that, I'm not real popular with the parents, but the kids are all on board with it. So, and the kids are my focus. So if mom and dad get mad, they're just gonna have to take that up with someone else. So parents are, parents are a joy. They are, they sure are. Uh, I do have some though that I probably couldn't make it without because when we have tournaments, we set up hospitality rooms and things, things like that. I've got a parent, um, Natalie Fowler takes care of all that. And it's always spectacular, spot on, wonderful. I couldn't do it without them. So for all the bad, there's a lot of good that comes with it too. And as long as we get on the same page, uh, respecting my rules as a coach, as far as grades, assignments, absences, and parent etiquette, then everything goes smoothly. I'd like to uh, kind of step back a little bit when you were talking about some of your um, competitors that have gone on to, you know, you, you talked about the, the young man that shot the Vegas tournament and, and switched to Barabow. I'm curious to hear about that transition um, not being a 
a traditional or bare bow shooter myself. Um, I'm familiar with the Genesis bows. You know, we use those at our local range for beginning lessons and so forth. But as you have an archer that's getting closer to that, and I'm assuming that the NAS program stops at their senior year, there's there's really nothing beyond that, correct? That is correct. So do you work with the archers as they get towards that senior level to start that transition from a, a Genesis bow to a bare bow? Or kind of how does that how, do you, how does the it's, NAS program fit into that? That is a great question, and I'm glad you asked that. The NAS program is a beginner level entry archery program, period. That's all it's for. Uh, do I have kids that go far past that? Yes, I absolutely do. So the great thing about my program, in my opinion, and what I accomplish is setting them an extremely sturdy foundation from the ground up. Whenever they leave my program at that level, and if they've been shooting for any time at all, I expect them to go out and into a collegiate program with a stance that's rock solid, with their feet in the right place, with their breathing down, with their anchor points good, with their focus on point. That's the foundation that I try to instill in these kids and make sure that that's unwavering. Now, the great thing about those Genesis bows in the NAS program is we don't use sights. We use all fingers. We don't have releases and things like that. So honestly, the transition for my kids into bare bow is extremely easy, extremely easy for them. Now, this year for the first time, we have a young lady that's going to go from my program into shooting a compound scenario for Steve up at Lindenwood. I have started working with her to make the transition with the different equipment and to using a release aid and all those kind of things. But my focus is to give them the foundation so when I pass them off to Lindenwood, they don't have to start with that. They can literally go into the technique needed, whether they're bare bow, Olympic recurve, bow hunter, open, whatever. Lindenwood has got phenomenal coaching when it comes to the Olympic recurve and those styles and stuff. So if I've given them the foundation and if they can shoot 280s and 290s with that Genesis, They've already got the cat by the tail because that's a, that's a tough build to follow. Everything else is going to become easier for them. So compound, yes, we transition into the rest of it. We just build that foundation. Mm -hmm. And so looking at your team size now, and, and I, this is a lead up question for, for another topic that I want to hit on. And, it, and it's around this conversion rate, right? Uh, and, and, so you've got, let's call it 60 kids in your program today. Um, what, uh, what is your expectation based, based on kind of what you've observed over the last five years? How, how many of those kids will continue on, whether it, you know, maybe into a collegiate type of a scenario or, or something else? Um, just, continue shooting beyond the NAS program? Uh, conservatively, I would say at least half of my kids will continue to shoot. Now, that's obviously not necessarily going to be a collegiate competition level, but they will continue to shoot, be it personal level, bow hunting, recreational, you know, out in the yard, smack talking against mom and dad, things like that. 
a lot of my kids, by the time they're getting ready to graduate, they're asking, you know, hey, coach, what kind of bow can I get, you know, to do this? What kind of bow can I get to do that? And some of them actually come back with their new bows. Hey, can you help me set this up? I don't know what I'm looking at. Or, hey, can you watch me with this? I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. Uh, and, and even my collegiate archers, I see them over Christmas break. I see them every time they're home coming into open gym. And, you know, I still a lot of, still a lot of communication with all of my alumni. So at least 50% of them take this sport and continue running with it in some fashion. Mm -hmm. And, and the reason I ask that, and that's great. I think a 50% conversion rate, I think is, is phenomenal really. Um, because that's something, you know, so I'm here in North Dakota. Um, we have kind of what, what I would break, I would break it down into kind of three avenues of archery that happen here. Uh, we've got a NAS program, um, and then 4-H. And so our 4-H, uh, archery program is kind of a combination where you have, you have some bare bow or, or, or Genesis bow shooters, but I think, you know, it's, it's certainly more heavily compound. Um, and then we have just our, our local, um, club archery. And, you know, we have youth programs there again, not a lot of finger shooters. It's mostly, mostly compound, but where I think we struggle and, and I don't, I couldn't tell you what our conversion rate is here, but I, I think after that senior year, um, we find a lot of kids dropping off. I, I would, I would venture to guess here in North Dakota anyway, I don't think we have a 50% conversion rate. And so um, I, I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts on what, what, it, what is it that you're doing in Missouri that maybe we could learn here that would help us increase our conversion rate for some of these kids? Okay. And to be fair, I'm thinking about my surrounding teams here in other local municipalities. I would be willing to guess that their conversion rate is 20% or less. And I'm I just, that's just how it is. Um, not for any particular reason. I will tell you what happens in my program versus a lot of programs in, in public schools in particular. There are two types of programs. There are programs that have sponsors and there are programs that have coaches. So when I say a sponsor and God bless them because without them, we wouldn't have most of the things we have in the public school system now. A sponsor means, okay, we're going to start, you know, um, an FCCA club over here, and this teacher is going to oversee your meetings, so now they're the sponsor. We have a lot of sponsors doing archery teams and clubs here. There are very few programs that have coaches, and when I say coaches, I mean people with experience in the industry or competitive experience. So I think that helps with my kids, but it's just passion. It's all about passion. It's how passionate your coach is, the passion that they still instill in the kid and the confidence that it brings with it. And I think the confidence that it brings is what these kids here are chasing. That's what they're looking for. That's their validation. So it's instant gratification. The sport of archery is instant gratification. If you do it right, you stick to your basics, you stay true to what you've been taught, you're going to hit that yellow. And as soon as you hit that yellow, you instantly feel good about it oh yeah, look, I still got it, you know? And sometimes these kids will just get that bow out six months after they've graduated or the summer after they've graduated 
just to see if they can still do it. Maybe they've hit a rough spot and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to get my bow out and, you know, kind of ignore the rest of the world because that's what we do at practice. And it becomes a comfort zone to the kids. It really does. And I can attest to that because that's why I started shooting. It was my therapy. And I feel like that when they gain that passion and they feel that comfort with the sport and they see that instant gratification and success, that's what keeps them coming back to it. So it's all about the passion. In my opinion, it's 100% all about the passion for the sport that you can instill or not. You know, I, uh, a, a funny story, you know, I run a, I run a Thursday night league here in North Dakota. We, on a Thursday night, we set up a, a 25 target, uh, 3d course. And as part of every Thursday night, I started a thing a couple years ago where we do a, a, a challenge shot. We offer up a challenge shot where people can throw a dollar in the kitty and try these challenge shots. And we come, you know, every week it's something different, but the one, the one activity that we do or the one challenge shot that, that we do every year that gets the most money in the pot is we take a bunch of Genesis bows and we put balloons on the back wall at like 31 yards, various size balloons. And then we put tickets inside the balloons. So if you pop the balloon with the Genesis bow, you get tickets in a drawing and whoever wins the drawing gets half the pot of whatever it becomes. Right. But that one activity with those, because everybody, they're so hard to shoot well and everybody, <laughs> all the are. compound shooters, just you, they refuse to believe that they can't hit that doggone balloon on the back wall. And next thing you know, they've got a $20 bill in the pot and they're just flinging arrows. And it's, it's the most fun thing we do. And we get the most engagement from it every year because um, it is, it's, 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 it's very difficult to do that uh, consistently. Oh, um, it is very distance. hard. And it's funny that you say that because the first few years, you know, with every, Every sport in, in our particular school district, every team is uh, forced to do one fundraiser, not forced, strongly encouraged to do one <laughs> fundraiser per year uh, to help fund things that they may need. So whenever we first started out, I am never in my lifetime going to sell cookie dough and wrapping paper and all that crap. Okay. I want the biggest bang for the buck. So we did a, we did a shoot-a-thon where kids would go out and get sponsors and they had to shoot balloons. So people are like, well, the kids that are really good, they're going to hit the balloons and these kids aren't. So, so I made this chart and it depended on what your average scores were on how big the balloon was that you were going to shoot at. And we made so much money shooting at balloons. And the fun thing is what people don't realize as soon as that arrow gets close, it's going to blow the balloon out of the way because the wind coming in off the target. So the bigger the balloon, the harder it is to hit because the more it's going to move. So we too have had a lot of fun in the past shooting balloons and uh, doing the same type stuff and, you know, people talking big and then they can't hit it. And then the new kid comes up and, you know, hits them. Of course, with the new kids, I would put metal barbecue skewers beside the balloon so it couldn't move out of the way, but nobody could see those from where they were shooting from. So, you know, just fun stuff like that. We since have moved on to doing one of the Ducks Unlimited raffles, but um, we've popped a lot of balloons here in R7, raising money for sure. So that's kind of funny that you guys are doing the same thing. So I want to circle back too, to, to something else that, that we just touched on. Um, what, what do kids do with archery after high school, after NASP? And I gotta give kudos to Sherry for an event that she did a few weeks ago. And I'm not, 
I'm not saying it's because I got to participate in it, which that was fun too. But after they had it, she was hosting a NASP event at, at her school. And after the event was over, uh, as a, as a time filler from the, you know, figuring up awards and scores and everything else, she had different people come in to shoot. Uh, we had some of our college kids come in and shoot. Uh, some were shooting compound bows, some were shooting, uh, bare bow, some were shooting recurve. Uh, we had other people that was also, um, I don't want to say competing, but shooting in the, at this event, you know, shooting compound bow, uh, different, at different levels, just your average person that goes out and shoots and, and things of that nature. And how long did it take, Sherry? Was it 30 minutes maybe of a, of a time was, filler that we did? It was about 30 minutes. I did it at the very end while we were tabulating scores and stuff, getting ready for the award ceremony. It was a 3D competition. So I did pull these archers back for a little bit further shots. Their shots were 15 to 20 yards. I called the little expo event, what do I do now? And it was just that. It was to highlight, what can I do with archery after high school's over? I'm a senior. I'm putting down my NASPA. What do I do now? So we did. We brought out some of the collegiate shooters. We had a couple coaches from the area step up and shoot. We just had a couple good old boys that go out and bow hunt shoot. And it was a lot of fun. And I have gotten so much feedback from that. So that kind of event is going to continue in my program now for next year, for sure. That's the kind of thing I'd, I'd like to see more schools do things of that nature. Cause it was, it was so cool just seeing, we're talking to high school kids that they want to, they want to be the ones out there shooting. They don't want to sit and watch somebody else shoot. And yeah, they were, really cool. they were so engaged with what was going on and asked so many questions afterwards. And, and it was really cool. Even, even the college kids that were there shooting, they were like, superheroes i mean everybody was just wanting to take pictures with them and talk to them and and they were just so engaged on wow there is something after nasp yeah so kudos to you for putting that event on it was really neat it was great to see the kids they were enamored with all the equipment that came in and whoo shiny oh look a squirrel stuff like that we probably had 300 plus people in attendance to watch that event and like you said they were all about the kids college kids came out in their jerseys and we really hyped it up. We did walkout music for them all. And I mean, we made it a pretty big deal. And uh, what Steve's not telling you is he won that event. He beat everyone with a 178 out of 180 score. But, you know, whatever. He, he still dropped out of the 10 on two. So I'm not that impressed. <laughs> oh, boy. That, there, there's your humble pie, Steve. Take that, buddy. Yep, there it is. Yeah. Well, after the event, I she handed me a, a first place trophy, you know, for for winning the little event. Then I had to apologize to her because I did miss two of the tens. Yeah, that was that was just a big letdown. It's like you had a stroke or something. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh goodness! <laughs> All right, Sherry is getting more comfortable in this conversation now. <laughs> this is this is every time I meet Sherry. This is the conversation we have. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, so on top of NASP, you also coach an air rifle team for the high school. That is correct. Yeah. How, I how did not, I did, I did not wear the head coach title this year, uh, simply because I also currently am the tournament director for SAR, which is the student air rifle program. We had 16 kids on the team this year. It's structured very much like NASP. Uh, so, but again, it's air rifles. So 
we're very safety conscious with that when we try to keep one coach for every four kids it, it becomes a whole different ball game but it is a lot of fun a lot of fun i would encourage any of your listeners Approach your administrators of your high schools, your junior highs, your elementaries. Get the student air rifle program in there. It's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Lot. It, it's just. It's great. It's great. Sherry, do you think that uh, the the establishment of that air rifle is that where your NRA funds come from? Will Will NRA still fund if you're just archery only, or does is that? Oh yeah. Air, Okay. Yeah. I was curious about that because I've heard. Uh, no, we just started student air rifle program here in our district last year. So no, the the uh, the NRA at least here in Missouri, the friends of the NRA here in Missouri, heavily fund archery in schools. Okay. So. But they will fund student air rifle too. So if you want that going, get a hold of me. I can help you out. Well, and I've heard that from other through other conversations that um, if you if you really want to open the doors for funding for your local archery club if you can figure out a way to incorporate the air rifle that it it just opens you up to a lot more funding from other uh, you know gun manufacturing uh, organizations there is a lot of there's a lot of funding opportunity for air rifle programs. I will say that as far as the NRA, again, that's, that's different state by state. So I can only speak to what the folks here in Missouri do, but uh, you know, all the shooting sports, I'm a huge proponent, big fan. I've been involved in them all for decades. You cannot put a price on what that brings to our youth. Get your kids involved in shooting sports. Well, I think they, I, you know, I've read different, studies and everything that I've read with the research that they've done um, that kids that are involved in shooting sports are better student citizens and they're they they typically have a higher grade point average they're just uh, they're more they're more engaged for exactly the reasons you said sherry when you yes. when you when you make when you make standards requirements to participate and they love to do it, they're going to perform, if nothing more, so that they can be yes. eligible to participate. And it drives yes. behavior, the safety, the safety that's required, because, you know, these kids are handling weapons, right? And that giving them that responsibility, um, you know, you're, 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 you're treating them more as adults. And I yes. think kids, kids respond to that. Um, the respect, it's just, it's just mm -hmm. a whole different level of respect. It's competitive from a team aspect, but it's also competitive from an individual aspect. I, I cannot, I could go on story after story after story of kids that have come through my various programs, be it trap shooting, um, air rifle or archery, and the, the life changing things that it has made. Uh, there's one young lady that just sticks out in my mind and she forever will for me that came to me the day she graduated, she was an underdog. And, and even the principal at the time was like, if we can just get this kid to graduate, it's going to be a miracle. It's absolutely going to be a miracle. When she came to my program, I didn't know it, but she was on suicide watch. She couldn't look up from the floor. She wouldn't make eye contact with you. And whenever she graduated and came back to me and said, coach, you have no idea. You archery saved my life. It literally saved my life. 
I get very emotional talking about that because of her. But, and that's just one story. I have several, and I'm only five years in with this archery program. I have another young man that was struggling. I think his GPA might have been a 1.4. His wonderful family, his parents couldn't get through to him. They couldn't motivate him. He was a sophomore in high school. And by the time he graduated and came back the next year, he stood in front of a group of 300 people and addressed them and talked about what archery did for him, making him get his grades up. He's graduated. This young man's now in the United States Air Force and doing phenomenal things. I still talk to him at least every other week. Every other week I get contact from this kid and it just makes my day. I mean, if there's a reason to coach, that's it. Those are the kids. That's the reason why. It's not about the kid that shoots the 295 out of 300. That's not why I'm there. It's those kids, those kids that really need something and someone to pull them out of a dark place. And that's what the shooting sports do, period. I would beg anybody to prove me wrong. That's awesome. And, um, you know, we've seen similar things here. You know, I still, I, I haven't uh, coached classes here in, in a while now, a couple of years since my daughter went off to college, but I still see a lot of the kids um, and I run into them and their parents uh, that, that I had had or that I had uh, participate in some of my classes. It is, it's extremely rewarding. Um, so here's, here's my final question, Sherry. Um, how do you, what do you think about when you think about succession planning for your, so you, you've stood up this amazing program in a fairly short period of time. Um, and I, I, I suspect based on everything you've just said that you plan to be involved in that for the foreseeable future. But when you look beyond, uh, a time when you're able to, uh, continue the program. How do you, how do you think about that? And, and uh, I know you said you hired a new assistant coach, um, uh, but just the, the longevity of the program, how do you keep this going beyond you? That's a great question. And uh, a lot of people are asking me this year, cause my daughter is a senior, you know, are you coming back? Are you going to keep coaching? Are you coming back? Well, I now have the answer to that because my son and Future daughter-in-law just bought a house in our school district here. So I have some grandkids on the way. So guess what? I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stick this one out for quite some time. Um, as far as succession, you know, with the coach that I just hired, he's wonderful. He's super passionate. He's in it for the right reason because he's doing it for the kids. He currently has a kid in the program and uh, his older son had went through the program under my direction. I try to teach him something new every day. I try to pass down little tricks that I've learned. As far as what will happen when I am gone, I, you know, I don't know. I just got to hope for the best and, and hope that there's good people, hope that I instill enough, hope that maybe some of my alumni come back and do it the way I did it. I don't know. Maybe they'll have their own twist on it and everything. Because obviously what I do is not the end all be all. It just works for me. So you know, just build the passion in the sport and everything else will take care of itself. Man, this has been a great conversation, but good job, Sherry. You know, if we had Thanks, more people Steve. out there working with the high school programs that have your attitude towards it, my gosh, archery would just absolutely explode in a good way. I, I guess it would just be a thank you really to Sherry because I believe that there's other Sherry's out there. I mean, we see them, we see glimpses of them in, in our communities, but um, 
you know, Sherry, it's, it's because of people like you that we get, I mean, you're, you're the first line of recruitment for the sport that we love so much. Right. I mean, um, and, uh, it's, it's the beyond the archery, right? The archery is, uh, archery is, is a, is a thing, but it's, it's all the things that happen and the character that's built and the, the, really the, the people that are shaped, um, by, by the sport. And, uh, and I, I just thank you for doing what you do because it's, it's super important. And, uh, you know, we're, we all love the sport. We want to see it grow and, um, we see the good that it does. And so thank you for that. That, And that's why I wanted to get Sherry on. I mean, yes, I know Sherry on a personal level, but I get to witness how she handles the team how the students respect her. And that says a lot when you have a coach that, that students actually respect. And yeah, thanks. Like I said, I, I wouldn't have you on here talking about this if I thought you were screwing it up, but, uh, and this is not me judging or grading in any, any capacity, but I just see you out there doing the right thing for the right reason. So good job. Well, I appreciate your kind words guys. Well, we, we certainly appreciate your time and, and everything that you're doing there. And, um, yeah, maybe, maybe this is going to be a part two conversation. Oh Lord. Not at <laughs> 830 in the morning. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Next time it'll be 730. Evening version would be way better. <laughs> well, you did a good job. So we appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for taking some time and. Yeah. You guys uh, have a great Sunday. All righty. And so uh, that'll wrap up this episode. If anybody's got any questions, reach out to us at wildarrowod at gmail.com. Wildarrowod, as in outdoors, at gmail.com. And if you've got any questions for Sherry or anything, let us know and we'll reach out to her. And if you got any questions about NASP in general, Sherry's the, a great resource for us. So, again, thanks, Sherry. Appreciate you. And everybody have a great day. <laughs>